Well, good morning, everybody. As a church, we've been looking at the story of a guy who lived about 3,100 years ago, and something extraordinary has happened along the way. What we found is that this man, Samuel, that his story from 3,100 years ago has actually been impacting and inspiring our stories, has been challenging and changing us. I'm going to jump right into 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 today, but I want to encourage you, if you've missed any uh, sermons in this series, you can always go back to southsidelife.com and catch up. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. We're going to see God uh, start to shape Samuel's story in a real tangible way. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? My son Eli said, I didn't call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel. Now the first few times that I read that passage years and years ago, I thought to myself, it must be nice. Like, wouldn't that be great if I was facing a big decision or I I had a dilemma or I was seeking direction in my life and God would just give me a holler? To tell you the honest truth, though, God has never spoken to me audibly. And now that I think about it, if he ever did, I would probably be so scared that I wouldn't really even remember anything that he said. I'm wondering if you're the same. I'm wondering if you've never had an experience like Samuel had that day where God actually speaks to you audibly. Maybe you can relate to me. And if that's you, if you're a little bit like me and you look at this and go, it must be kind of nice. I want to encourage you with something today. I want to tell you that God still speaks. And that's really, really important because often, and maybe you're here at church for the very first time, or maybe you've been coming your whole life. I want to tell you something. There's things that we mention in church that really become catchphrases, and and we really find them encouraging. For example, John chapter 10, verse 10. We mention that often, don't we? We say, Jesus promises that I have come that you might have an abundant life, a full life. That's awesome. But there's something I need to tell you. That in that passage of John chapter 10, Jesus is referring to himself as the good shepherd, and he's referring to us as sheep. Later on in that same passage, Jesus says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
And that's really, really important because I need you to know that God still speaks. How do we move into an abundant life? How do we move into a full life? How do we move into purpose? How do we move into greatness? How do we move into legacy? We listen to his voice and we follow his lead. Maybe you've heard the passage before in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, come to me if you are weary or burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Learn from me. There's another translation of Matthew 11 which says, I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. I will, you will learn to live freely and lightly. How do you do that? How do you live freely and lightly? How do you learn the unforced rhythm of grace? How, how do you find rest for your souls? You learn from him. I need you to know today that God still speaks. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So how do you find the desires of your heart? You delight yourself in the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, there's another place where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command you. God still speaks. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Acknowledge him. How do you acknowledge him? It's funny. Acknowledge him. I was sitting in a restaurant the other day and I saw a mother and a daughter uh, sitting at the same table. The mother was talking to the daughter and the daughter was scrolling through her phone. And at one point I heard the mom say to the daughter, I need you to acknowledge me when I'm speaking to you. How do we acknowledge God? We listen when he speaks. In summary, listen to this, because I'm gonna spend three weeks on this because this is huge. You wanna live an abundant life? You, you, you want to find fulfillment. You want to find purpose and greatness and joy and hope. You want to find rest for your soul. You want to learn to live freely and lightly. Do you, do, do you, do you want to step into the unforced rhythms of grace? Do, do we want to uh, experience the desires of our heart? Here's how you do it. You listen to his voice and you follow his lead. I need you to hear me today. God still speaks. I've never had him speak to me audibly. Maybe you haven't either, but he's still speaking. And we need to listen to his voice and follow his lead. So over these next three weeks, I want to tell you again how God is speaking. So the number one way I want to talk about, I want to talk about that God still speaks through the Bible. I heard someone say one time, um, if you want to know God's will, open up his word. Some people call the Bible God's word, God's inspired word, the Bible. Well, how, how, do, how, how do you hear God speak through the Bible? Well, one of the ways you can do it is in small group. You, get, you join a small group. You get together with a, another group of people that really want to listen to his voice and follow his lead. Another way you do it is by being here. By being here. And, and, and I, I would add one thing to that. By being here with a proper posture. I was listening to a preacher speak the other day, William Barclay. Listen to what he said. I wish our audience knew that they taught 80% of the message. The most prepared, most amazing illustrations, most spirit-filled words will fall on deaf ears to a heart and mind that is not open to it. 
Likewise, sometimes the most simple utterances can be life-changing to someone who is sitting eagerly waiting to hear the word of God. Man, does that take the pressure off me. 80% of this is on you. (laughs) Well, I prepared. I prayed. I've studied. I've read. But now the question for you, 80%er, I've read, but are you ready? How's your posture? Are you leaning in today to everything that God might have for you? Do you have this kind of idea that says, God, what do you want to teach me today? I want to listen to your voice today. I want to follow your lead today. Obviously, another way that we can spend time in the Bible is by spending time in the Bible, individually, by ourselves. I would suggest daily. You say, well, I really don't have time. You actually do. I know you do. So let's just move past that. You, you have time. It doesn't have to be three hours. It can be five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, every single day. All sorts of ways that you can spend time in the Bible. You, you can read it out of a book, you know? You, you, you know your smartphone, your, 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 your tablet, you can listen to the Bible. I think every day when we come to God's word, can be five minutes, can be 10, can be 15, with this posture, this posture that says, God, what do you have for me today? I'm gonna listen for your voice today. I wanna follow your lead today. And when we spend time in the Bible, I wanna suggest two things to you. Number one, when, when you read the Bible, understand, when God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. When God speaks specifically in the Bible, we obey immediately. Now, now that's assuming something. That's assuming again that I want to live an abundant life. I want fulfillment, I want purpose, and I want greatness. I want joy and I want hope. I want to find rest for my soul. I want to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to live the desires of my heart. If that's the case, when God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. Because there's sometimes in the Bible that it just speaks flat out specifically. I'll I'll give you a couple examples. One, do not commit adultery. Not super tricky there, right? Like, do not commit adultery. In other words, do not become romantically intimate with someone you are not married to. Why? Because God's a cosmic killjoy, right? No, because he has a plan for you, and that plan is, 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 is abundance, fulfillment, hope, joy, rest for your soul, legacy, the unforced rhythms of grace, the true desires of your heart. So God says, do not commit adultery. Not super tricky, but you'd be amazed at some of the conversations that I have. Have someone come up to me and say, I think I just met my soulmate. Your what? Your, your, my, my soulmate. Well, I hope so. Like you've been married for 12 years. No, no, no. Like, like, it's, it's a girl to just start at work. She gets me, you know? And I just have this feeling every time I'm around her. She just makes me happy, you know? And I, and I, felt, and I felt like God was saying to me, um, I provided you your soulmate. And I said, uh, God didn't say that. And they said, how dare you tell me what God said to me? And I said, uh, God didn't say that because God does not contradict himself. 
So it doesn't on one hand say, do not commit adultery. Do not, do not become romantically intimate with someone that you're not married to. And on the other hand, provide you with your soulmate and say, have at her. See, when, when, when God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. And in a church the size of Southside, there are people here today, right now, and you are stepping into something. You're, you're, you're deciding right now whether you're gonna become or you already are romantically intimate with someone you're not married to. And I would suggest to you, you need to stop. See, it's so important we understand the, 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 the difference between religion where it's just a bunch of arbitrary set of rules and a relationship with a God who says, I got a plan. Man, it's, 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 it's purpose. It's abundance. It's fulfillment. It's hope. It's rest for your soul, the desires of your heart. Would you listen to my voice and follow my lead? When God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. I'll give you another example, baptism. Baptism. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the very first sermon that was ever preached in a church, after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back into heaven, uh, Peter stood up in Jerusalem, and, 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 and he preached a sermon about, about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it meant. And the people who listened and heard Peter's sermon said, what do we do, what do we do? And Peter said, here's what you do, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Such an interesting concept, you know? Baptism. I really love it because I think there's, there, there, sometimes we, we live this Christian life and, and, and we live it like we've only ever heard God's voice once. And we only really need to ever hear God's voice once. We only need to follow his lead and listen to his voice once. So there was that one moment in our lives when, 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 when we felt Jesus call us and we reached out to him and we were saved. And that's true. You know? That because Jesus died, when, when we call on his name, when we believe in him, what happens is that uh, he forgives all our sin. We, we hand him our sin and he gives us salvation. We, 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 we hand him our darkness and he gives us light. So in that moment, immediately, you're saved. Your past is resolved and your eternity is secure. Do you understand that there's, there, there, there's a gap there between your past that is resolved and your eternity is secured? What's it called? 80% of this is on you, man. Did I say that earlier? I need some help. Okay, let me try this again. Your past, your eternity. Okay, I'll, let's do fill in the blanks. Let's see if I get a little, I can see, you guys are into this. I can just tell this is so exciting. Okay, the rest of your, yes. Let's try it again. The rest of your, there we go. You should probably live it. You should probably actually live the rest of your life. You know, like abundance, fulfillment, greatness, hope, joy, rest, peace instead of chaos, the unforced rhythms of grace. You, you should probably live the rest of your life. Do, do I believe that if you responded to God's voice once in your life, that your sins are forgiven, your past is resolved, your eternity is secure? I do with all my heart. But I just think that there's that gap there, and you should probably live it. So, 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 so Peter says, believe and be 
baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward commitment. It's this humble moment where you say, God, without you, I'm nothing. I was dead in my sins. You, 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 you get dunked. You know, they, they put you under the water, and depending on how you live, you can be under there for up to three, four minutes. Okay, so you're under, the, you're under the water, and then you come back out, and you say, I was dead in my sins, and now I'm alive. I, they, I'm kidding about the three-minute thing. Now, everyone, I was going to try to tell you to sign up for baptism, but now nobody is. Way to go, Mike. Way to go. But that's baptism. That's your first step of saying, man, I, I want to live, live. I want to live the rest of my life, you know? So when God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. But sometimes the Bible speaks principally, in principles. So when God speaks principally, we apply appropriately. Okay, I'll I'll give you an example. Let's say we're in church. We are in church, so no imagination needed. We're in church. And, uh, And we're talking about one passage. We're talking about love, love. And we're talking about one of the, 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 the most powerful passages in the entire Bible that describes love, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? So, let me read it to you. If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Okay, so we've covered that. You need to love. Absolutely and completely. Love is the why behind all your what's. Love is the why behind all my what's. So what does love look like? Well, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Now, let's imagine that that's the only passage of scripture that you know, that you've ever heard. Okay? And uh, you, you, you walk out those doors, and way over there on the other side of the parking lot, as you walk out the doors, you see Ralph. Okay, and the reason why I call him Ralph, by the way, I should tell you, is that Corinne says I'm not allowed to use the names Frederico or Frederica in sermons anymore. And, and it's annoying because I use those because I know that no one is ever going to be named those things. So if your name happens to be Ralph, blame Corinne. But I will also mention that any similarities between the story I'm about to tell and an actual person named Ralph are completely unintentional and not meant to harm anyone. There's Ralph. He's on the other side of the parking lot. You see him? Okay. Ralph's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. Okay, like he's off the rails. Let's call him Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, so Wreck-It Ralph is wrecking his life. He's wrecking other people's lives. He's making spectacularly immoral and unreal decisions. He's a nightmare, okay? So there's Ralph, you see him? He's on the other side of the lot. The only, hey, the only passage of scripture you know or have ever heard of is 1 Corinthians 13, okay? So there's Ralph. But right here are four of your friends. And let's, let's be honest for a second. These four friends, in the past, uh, you've gossiped with them. Okay, you, you've talked about other people behind their back. Um, and, and they've never heard anything 
like the story of Wreck-It Ralph. They, 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 they think they've heard stuff, they've never heard anything like Ralph. <laughs> it's spectacular. Ralph's a nightmare. And you know that if you went over to these four friends right now, um, man, it would, it, it would be a story that, it's epic. So do you go over and talk to them? The only, the only scripture you know or have ever heard is 1 Corinthians 13, you can't. You can't, why? Because love doesn't dishonor others. Love does not rejoice in, does, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Okay, so you can't go over and talk about Wreck-It Ralph to your four friends. Make sense? Because when, when the Bible speaks principally, we apply appropriately. Okay, thank goodness. So now you just, you hold it together, you get in your car and you drive out of the lot. Ah, no, you can't do that either. You can't, you can't do that. The, the only scripture that you know or have ever heard is that 1 Corinthians 13 passage, but, but, but the principle is love, so you can't just drive out of the lot. You gotta go talk to Ralph. Because love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. It might be kind of uncomfortable, uncomfortable to go talk to Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I know, but love cares for others more than it cares for itself. So you don't want to give up on Ralph. You still hope. You still hope for, for a future for Ralph, for a legacy for Ralph, for a greatness for Ralph. So now you got to go talk to him. For me, when I have that conversation, it, it depends on how well I know Ralph. If I know Ralph real well, I'll just walk over and go, Ralphie? That's what I call him, because I know him pretty well. I go, Ralphie, we got to talk like today. And if I don't know him as well, but I know that God's placed it, and I love Ralph, and I know that God's placed it on my heart, that I want to help him, I just say, hey, can, can, we, can we have lunch this week? Can we talk this week? What's the principle? The principle is love. And, 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 and so, and so when, when God speaks specifically, we obey immediately. When God speaks principally, we apply appropriately. I'll give you another example. Sex. Um, people who grew up in the church, you know, and they believe the whole, that, you know, the preacher stands up and says, God, God gave us sex as a gift. You know, it's this, it's this powerful gift, this whole life connection that was created for a whole life commitment called marriage. Okay, so you got a, a single guy and a single girl, and they're, and, and they're dating, which technically means they're not single, but you get what I'm saying, okay? They're not married, all right? They're not married. 80% of this is on you. If it goes south, it's your fault. Okay, so, um, so, so they're not married, and, and then they ask this question, uh, how far is too far? Well, that's a tough one. Because sometimes, some of the things they ask me, is this okay, is that okay? I can't find those in the Bible. I know. Okay, but they're not there. That's why I can't find them. So is there a principle that I could apply? Well, 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 yes, there is. The principle is purity, purity. The, the Bible says, flee, flee from sexual immorality. Does that sound, man, I wonder how close that I can get? No, the, the principle is purity. Jesus said it this way, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, there's a, a passage in the New Testament 
the Apostle Paul was inspired by God to write his young protege, Timothy, a letter. And in that letter he says, uh, treat young women as, as your sisters. And some of you are looking at me right now going, that's kind of gross. That's kinda... Okay, I'll put it this way. Uh, uh, let's, let's see. Treat that girl you're dating like you would want someone to treat your little sister. That's the principle of purity. So young men, single men, you're a protector. You are a protector. Do you remember earlier how I was talking about John chapter 10? Says I, I wanna, Jesus says, I wanna give you an abundant life, a full life, purpose, and greatness, and hope. Rest for your soul. The unforced rhythm of grace, the desires of your heart, okay? The, the way you do that is you listen to his voice and you follow his lead. And when you listen to his voice and you follow his lead, you become a protector. So, so, so when, when you date a girl, your, your question isn't necessarily how far is too far. Your question is actually, how can I be a protector? How can I cherish her? How can I honor her? Let, let me put that another way. That girl you're dating is not an RV. You know what RV stands for? It stands for recreational vehicle. She is not your recreational vehicle. She is a child of God, and your job is to protect her. And if you abdicate that responsibility and you choose not to protect her, then you are a predator, and you were not born to be a predator. And even as I say that, I understand that now I'm gonna get angry emails this week. So let me address them now. Okay, so the first angry email I'm gonna get is from a guy. And the guy's gonna be angry with me, and he's gonna say this, he's gonna say, you, you said I'm a predator. I didn't say that, you said that. Okay, you said, okay, she's, she's the one pushing the envelope. She wants to get intimate with me. I, I'm just, you know, I'm just going with the flow. Oh, okay, so before you email, so what you're saying to me is that she's initiating it. Okay, so, so the, you don't even have to email. I'll just respond to you right now. I don't care. Who cares? What are you talking about? What does that have to do with you? I'm suggesting to you that you're a protector that part of purpose for you, part of greatness for you, part of fulfillment for you, part of rest for your soul, the desires of your heart, is that you would step into the role to become the man that you were created to be. So you need to be a protector. I'm not talking about her. Now speaking of that, the second email I'm gonna get is from a girl, a woman. And she's going to be angry with me for calling her boyfriend a predator. I didn't say that, you said that. I'm not talking to you right now. If, if you want me to talk to you, I'll talk to you quickly. Um, you were born, you were created to be loved and cherished and honored and protected. And somewhere along the line, because of the message from the culture or maybe you just got scared, you settled for being wanted instead.
It's, it's the principle of purity. Men are protectors. Treat her like you would want someone to treat your little, or how about this? Treat her like you would treat one of my daughters. Because I really love my daughters. And if you were to hurt them, I would hurt you. You say, well, you're old, Mike. I know, I know. But if you were to hurt them, I would make up for my lack of youth with an abundance of enthusiasm and determination. (laughs) I would hurt you. (laughs) That young woman in your life, that single woman in your life, uh, she has a father who really, really loves her too. So I'm like, that's kind of heavy. You're being kind of mean today. I know. Okay. So let me, let me like, if you're, and, and if you're angry right now, I would just ask you to, 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 to wonder uh, why. If you're all riled up today, actually, that's pretty good. I'm happy. Because I wonder if God is speaking to you and calling you up to something better. Abundance. Fulfillment. I'm not, look, I, I'm, I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm talking about now, today, from now on. Fulfillment and hope and greatness and purpose and rest for your soul and the desires of your heart. Listen to his voice and follow his lead. So number one, God speaks through the Bible. When he speaks specifically, we obey immediately. When he speaks principally, uh, we apply appropriately. The second way God speaks is through creation. Like God created the universe and God created you to live in the universe. Okay, so there's certain self-evident things about creation and living in the universe that just, you you should live in light of them. Like one day Isaac Newton was sitting under an apple tree and an apple fell down and hit him in the head and he came up with the concept of gravity. Gravity. Okay, what comes up must come. Okay, 80% of the sermon really is on you. And I know it's like seven o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is. in Newfoundland, okay? So, uh, okay, so gravity says what comes up must come. Okay, so you should live in light of that. You know? So like I, I don't climb up on that thing and go, I believe I can fly as a wonderful sermon illustration. It would be a wonderful sermon illustration demonstrating that gravity applies to all of us, okay? Um, climb it, live in light of it. If you don't like cold weather, don't move to Tuk Tuk. I was, on, I was on the internet the other day, and there's a company in Edmonton that comes to your house and builds a backyard rink for you. It's called, if you freeze it, they will come. That's awesome. That's, you shouldn't, hey, if, if you own that company, you shouldn't put a branch in Chilliwack. Why? Because it doesn't freeze it in Chilliwack, right? Uh, nutrition. Your body was made a certain way, and, and, and all truth is God's truth. So somewhere along the lines, there's scientists that found out the truth that there's some things that are good for you like kale and Brussels sprouts and broccoli, okay? I've been making an attempt to eat one of those three things a little bit more. The other two, I'm not going to. Okay, but, 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 but you probably figured out along the way that like living your life, ingesting nothing but Pop-Tarts, French fries, and dino sours is probably not good. So live in light of the natural creation that God put in place. Sleep. Scientists say you need about seven, between seven and nine hours of sleep every day. So you probably shouldn't double it. You know, you shouldn't lie around for 15, 16 hours a day. It's probably not the path to greatness and abundance and fulfillment and rest for your soul and all that other stuff. And you probably shouldn't cut it in half either. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. Okay? So God speaks through creation. Open your eyes and look. 
And the third and final way I want to address today, again, again I want to speak uh, about this for the next two weeks also. Because I think it's really, really important that we understand that God still speaks. So he speaks through the Bible, he speaks through creation. Thirdly, God speaks through our conscience, our conscience. Romans 2 says this, there's something deep within them, which means all of us, in Christians and non-church people and non-church people alike, something inside of them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. That's your conscience. There's something deep inside of you that's calling you towards fulfillment and hope and right and light and life and rest. That's your conscience. The Bible says that you can, you, can, uh, you can callous your conscience. And what that basically means is if, um, if, if, if you ignore over and over again, you, there's something inside you that's calling you to, 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 to something higher, to something better, to something right as opposed to something wrong, and over and over and over again you ignore it and do, your own, you know, you do the opposite, eventually your conscience gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And I think you can also have a hyperactive conscience. A hyperactive conscious is, uh, happens a lot um, when you hang around with a lot of really, really religious people. Religious people. If you're new to Southside, we're not overly religious here. We're about a relationship with Jesus. Because religion is all about rules and regulations and not doing the wrong thing. And what can happen to your conscience, you can be, be, become hyperactive, where you become frozen. You're so frightened not to do something wrong that you don't have the courage to do something right. You know what I mean? So we have to calibrate our conscience. One of the main ways we calibrate our conscience, again, I said it first, spend time in the Bible, studying the Bible. Come to the Bible with a proper posture that says, God, you speak, and I will follow your lead. Your conscience, something deep inside of you, it leads you towards right. I'll end with this story. Contrast these. Some years ago, an Air Canada flight from Dallas to Toronto met with an emergency. A fire had broken out in mid-flight in one of the restrooms. The pilot began a dramatic and sudden descent, knowing he had but a few moments to land, if any were to survive. He descended at a furious speed, and when he touched down, emergency crews were on hand. As soon as they opened the doors for rescue, the whole aircraft, sucking in the oxygen, turned into an inferno. There were some fatalities and some suffered burns, but because of his skill and the crew's commitment, many were rescued. The captain was the last one to leave the burning airplane as he was literally pulled through the window with his uniform on fire. It was a story of skill and heroism, and the captain deserved the tearful and heart-filled commendations he received as someone who had done his duty. Switch scenarios. We move to April. 2014. A ferry in Seoul, South Korea capsizes, and a large number of passengers are killed, most of them high school students, who were waiting for instructions to abandon ship, but those instructions never came, and they were swallowed up by the water and drowned. One of the reasons why the instructions to abandon ship never came is that the captain himself was the first one who fled the sinking ship and made sure that he was safe on dry ground. The chorus of condemnation from the loved ones of those lost, tormented because of a captain who betrayed his trust, is not surprising. The teacher who had organized this trip took his own life, feeling that he had no right to be alive while most of his students perished. Even the prime minister of 
South Korea offered to resign because of the ripple effect of that tragedy. What am I saying? The Air Canada captain. Do you know that there was a voice of temptation in his head that said, get out? Get out, man. Save yourself. Get out. But his conscience said, stay. Stay. You know this plane better than anybody. Stay. And, 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 and do you know the, the captain of this ferry in South Korea? There was a voice. His conscience was speaking. And the conscience was saying, don't you abandon this ship. You stay and save as many as you can. But he listened to the voice of temptation instead, and he left. See, I tell you all of this because I desperately want you and me to know this. God is still speaking. And it's so important because he wants to bring us to a place of abundance and fulfillment and greatness and purpose and joy, rest for our souls, the unforced rhythms of grace, the desires of our heart. How do we get there? Oh, we just listen to his voice and we follow his lead. And just before I pray, I want to invite you again. Next week is baptism, but I also want to continue with this. I, 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 I'm determined that we're going to be the church that hears him speak, follows his lead, and steps into everything, everything that he has for us. Let's pray. I think of the words of Samuel, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. I pray that you would uh, make us quick to listen and quick to follow your lead and we would step into everything you have for us in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.